Good crowd. Hey, the members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are appearing as private individuals. <laughs> yeah, their comments don't necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. <laughs> also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always remember your training, consider your situation, and... Fly that aircraft! So in the forums, in the forums, uh, Dave uh, was counseling somebody. So this is this is the, you learn these things. These, these things kind of slip out unintentionally. You know. You wait, know. wait, 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 back up, back up, back up. Yeah. Dave was counseling. He was one of our listeners. <laughs> he was without he adult supervision. He does this all the time. You'd be surprised. So uh, I'm going to have to double check with my attorney to make sure I'm covered. And and as I recall, it had to do with just trying to help someone, you know, kind of educate the people in their lives that the person should be involved with flying. And you know, it's like how do you answer this question and how do you answer that question? And Dave said that said that uh, he says that you know you can answer all the, you can give all this information about safety and about how owning your own airplane makes you more familiar with it and that's safer. He says, but in the final analysis, he said uh, he said uh, uh, to this person, he said if it's if it's the idea that owning an airplane is some kind of foolishness or madness, well, dredge up your best evil monster laugh, blah, <laughs> and let them know that your madness has no cure. And uh, that's David's view on on on. The craziness of loving flying. Go ahead, David. I was just going to say I didn't. I, I realized I was getting kind of wordy yet again, and so I didn't slip into my response to Jacob the story about my brother-in-law's reaction when my wife Annie told him that our company, which was like three months old, had decided to buy an airplane. And then Dave was going to get his pilot's license in the airplane the company bought. And we were going to use it to travel on business. And my brother-in-law's reaction was uh, two words. How absurd. <laughs> See? Well. Uh, it's funny. His sister got to show up in D.C. so much more often when we uh -huh. had an airplane in the, in, in the company inventory that he changed his op opinion of it uh, in his yeah. Mom went gaga the first time I took her for a ride, her first little airplane ride. Uh, my father-in-law, he'd been up in little airplanes before uh, many times. A buddy of his used to fly him to, uh, they went to see golf tournaments in a bonanza. Uh, but my brother-in-law was like, how absurd. People don't own airplanes. Uh, you know, real people don't own airplanes. Ta-da! Yeah, I know. And my first response to him was next time he called, I went, <laughs> Well, we'll be at the I always used to I always used to tease my uh, now uh, um, late ex mother-in-law by um, making a point of of grabbing a paperback as I'm walking out the door and say I just need something to read on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> made her made her it. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, pay attention when you're yeah, flying, my daughter. That's right. I, yes, I, well, I love the question. The first time that Annie and I showed up on the East Coast, we surprised all the family except a different brother who kind of schemed with us for us to be a surprise. It was Labor Day weekend. My pilot's license was six days old. 
And we'd flown from Wichita to Indiana. My hometown stayed the night, then on to Leesburg, Virginia, and surprised the in-laws the next day. And I, can, I, I picture, I picture the thumb posed over the enter key of, at the NTSB <laughs> investigator's <laughs> keyboard, just waiting for the phone call so he can hit the enter key and start a new file. <laughs> yeah, right. Word got around. Go yeah, ahead, it was David. Like, well, my father-in-law's first question when we showed up at this restaurant, you know, like we talked to him on the phone the day before. Big question. Well, now that Dave's got his pilot's license, you guys going to do something with the airplane? And Annie said, yeah, we're thinking about flying around a little bit, visiting some places that we've wanted to visit in an airplane. Oh, that sounds great. Have a great weekend. Ted us out. comes out. 30 minutes after that phone call, we left for the airport. <laughs> and then you appeared uh, at their door. Then we show up in Leesburg, and my mother-in-law almost got an ambulance called because she started clutching her chest and screaming. Uh, <laughs> my father-in-law's first question was, is it legal for you to be that far from home when your pilot's license is only a week old? Well, no, it's not, but it has nothing to do with the airplane. It's more has to do with the I had a guy ask, ankle. I had a guy ask a friend of mine, and, and known him for several years at that time, um, whether they let me fly at night. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I just calmly explained that, you know, they even let me carry passengers now. Ooh. Ooh. Well, so speaking of <laughs> David's madness, uh, it turns out that uh, that one of David's mad desires may come to fruition sooner than we ever thought. Um, <laughs> Dave, was, Dave was, who we all recall about a year and a little over a year ago, was somewhat tickled by the uh, Martin Jetpack, the uh, so-called rocket <laughs> Pack, um, that was demonstrated at uh, at Oshkosh last summer, and then was was kind of notably absent this year. But that's another story altogether. Turns out they're actually apparently making some good progress on this thing, and they've they've taken to a somewhat unique way of apparently raising some money for this project, and that is that they are auctioning off rides in this thing on eBay. And so, uh, Dave, we could get you over to eBay and get you to bid on getting yourself a ride on the uh, Martin Jetpack. Uh, let's see now. Is you this- know, I, I, I'm, I'm really hot for the idea, except for one minor five-digit deficiency. Uh, there is a $30,000 minimum bid for the first well, for any of the first six flights. And that's actually where I was thinking, uh, man, what we really need to do is kind of turn this into a meteorite opportunity here. We're going to get you a free, you know, because you're, you're, you're a, a, a distinguished member and, of the press. And, and, uh, and I know that if I was the first media person to fly this, that I could probably have it placed in three places in the first 24 hours, and they wouldn't greatly overlap. Uh so uh you know martin jetpack uh glenn martin i'm all i'm all for it uh i think i can even get the airfare down there although i know you got to come back here because you really need to uh well, do no, better you than just you get did one, in Oshkosh you, last year you just need a one-way ticket you'll be coming back on an air ambulance <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i was you know, I, I, I'm really not interested in flying any higher than I want to fall. Want to fall? But yeah. I got over that yeah. in hang gliders, too. So, right. uh, you know, right. it is supposed to have a BRS parachute. Well, that's what, you know, I was just looking for something here. There's a yeah, list but- here. Um, a a uh, Ruckin uh, just posted in the forums um, a pointer to a YouTube video called Everyone Wants to Fly a Choppa. 
and uh, it's uh, just a <laughs> somebody's got this kind of funky country kind of I think it's country I don't know a, a song um, that he wrote about wanting to go flying in a helicopter and there's all kinds of shots of people flying in helicopters it's kind of neat but I thought of Jeb throughout the entire thing thinking that uh, this is Jeb's kind of flying <laughs> not uh, Jeb you don't like helicopters well, I, I think Jeb on a I, I, I do, do actually equipped helicopter is just the thing yeah, I, I do. In fact, like helicopters. I, I, I've I've been in a couple, um, enjoyed it, you know, thoroughly. Um, I I have a small desire to learn how to fly one, just just so that I know what you know a, a rotorcraft pilot it goes through. Um, but as far as uh, you know, making that my only mode of airborne transportation, it doesn't it doesn't enthuse me that much. Um, a good a good friend of mine. Um, um, and, and, uh, is uh, you know his first uh, I think his per- first private was a rotorcraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he had uh, the the squeeze uh, to buy a uh, uh, an Instrum I believe it was as his first uh, uh, his first aircraft. Um, and um, you know tells great stories about uh, going to pick up his girlfriend and, and you know things like that landing in her backyard to the great consternation of her father. Um, <laughs> you know which which you I know, know is, is take your daughter to school and 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 you know that he's not going to be drinking so you know yeah. uh, and it's impossible to take advantage of of your daughter while the while the air, the helicopter is airborne. Yeah, um, when both, so, feet, you know, both hands are kind of occupied. That's right. That's right. I think right. the worst you could uh, give would be a hickey. Yeah, and even that would be. Uh, uh, I think some. Aer- I think aerobatics would ensue uh, for yeah, that. Right. Definitely <laughs> some contortionism. I mean, yeah, there there definitely be. Uh, um, Somebody um, would be getting twisted. I'm looking for a story the psych- here. The psyche would be busy. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I'm looking for a story here that I think I saw on Aero News the other day. Uh, it's a there's a somewhat of a of a notable story that's been doing the rounds up here in Boston. Um, of course, the New England football team is the Patriots, and the uh, quarterback is uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is married to supermodel, and that's why I'm looking for her name. I'm blanking on her name here. He's married to the supermodel, and the story that's been going the rounds up here is that she is in fact doing helicopter flight training right now. Oh, I did, I did see oh. that. And, um, Giselle Bunch. That's yeah. who it is, right? Yeah, Giselle? yeah, that's it. Yeah, and uh, a couple of the stories I saw didn't make reference to the fact that she was married to Tom Brady, which I guess it's only a New England story that aspect of it. But uh, she's uh, the, the so the story goes, she's doing a really good job. I read some story about how she's taking at least yeah. some of her training up here in Marshfield, Mass. So. Uh, I'm sure she's doing well. I'm sure she's, you know, progressing just fine. But do you really think that you would read a story to the effect that she wasn't progressing well? Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. All right. Well, hey, we've got real news to I talk got about. this picture of the helicopter flying with the same rhythm and determination that a model walks down the runway. Yeah, there you go. I'd oh, man, you, you just can't. Just take take that elsewhere, man. I don't need to hear that. That's 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 just... That's just too much. Welcome, folks, to episode 155 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. 
We are recording. Even more uncontrolled than usual. We're record- it is uncontrolled tonight. We're recording this episode on Wednesday evening, September 23rd, 2009. Uh, and uh, we are fighting the uh, internet broad- uh, bandwidth uh, problems tonight. So I apologize in advance. Uh, the, it's most notable, um, noticeable in that there's a big lag between us. There's almost a, a second as, at times between us. So it's kind of like talking across a satellite link. And as a result, we're kind of talking on top of each other a little bit. We apologize. We'll try to do but our best. But it's not enough time for second thoughts. No, no. Uh, let me say hi to my friends here in the virtual hangar this week. Uh, that's Dave Higdon, and he's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hey, David, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I would probably not be legal in 23 or 24 states. I'm doing lovely. I see. Um, <clears throat> no, see, I don't want to know in what regard you're not legal. I, I don't want to know either. Uh, yeah, for a moment there, yeah, I, just... I thought maybe, but no, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah. yeah. What's going on, David? You've been uh, What you been up to? Uh, well, I... Uh, been doing a little writing, a little research, uh, trying to get some chores done because next week is Bombardier's 13th safety stand down. Yeah. And you and Jeb will be here and I'll be there. The three of us will be going and, uh, you know, take bringing back our own perspectives on it. So there won't be a lot of the usual work get done next week. So kind of working to my own detriment i was supposed to go to a very nice lunch today and hear ed boland speak Mm. and got my head so down into a project that when i looked up for lunch the lunch i was supposed to be attending was already half over and Mm. i'm kind of going no 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 Uh, there's something wrong with that clock so uh i guess i'm getting work done but it sure wasn't good on my uh Eating habits. Ed Bolin, of course, is the uh, president of the National Business Aviation Association. Um, I noticed today that he's giving one of the keynotes at the safety stand down next week, and uh, kind of looking forward to hearing that. Um, um, mm-hmm. The administrator is going to be there as well, apparently. Uh, Good. And uh, there was a third. Yeah, we've, uh, we, we're kind of getting a step up there because we'd been getting uh, a very high level FAA person, but not generally the administrator. Uh, for the past couple of years, or past several years, but we'd also been getting Mr. Bolin when, since they became a co-sponsor, NBAA did, and the chairman of the uh, National Transportation Safety Board since they became a co-sponsor a few years ago. So we're getting the new chairperson of the NTSB, and we're getting Mr. Bolin again, and we're getting the new head of the FAA, which will be kind of fun. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain that his keynote status means that he'll be at the opening night reception, where yeah. we shall be as well. Yeah. Where is uh, where is NBAA located? Are they Washington or? Yeah, D.C. Washington, yes, they are sir. D.C. Okay. Yeah. And that other voice out there is uh, Jeb Burnside, who's talking to. You know, I've come to a conclusion. I was actually working on this over the week. All right, here's why I can't. <laughs> oh my! Say. Oh my! Here's why, and it's not that I forget your name. You gave me crap last week about how I was forgetting it. I certainly have not forgotten <laughs> your name. All right, but I do. I do do kind of stumble over it from time to time and here's the problem with it all right um first of all you got this jeb burnside this has got two b's the double b that'll trip it's you up. got yeah yeah, right? yeah yeah so that's one that's, you know so you kind of kind of get ahead and you kind of kind of like cruise on through you go jeb burnside jeb burnside and then the other problem is you got this this s burn side all right you got an and s and and if you take an n and an s sound and put them right next to each other that's the mouth shape that you have for saying a d as well see so so the burn kind how of, long you know, have you had this tutorial for this jack jack there's a tutorial for this is there what's that yeah there's an app for this just call jeb's cell number 
and you'll get, hi, this is Jeb Burnside's yes. cell phone. Uh-huh. And then you'll get the voice saying that the mailbox is full, so you can't yeah, leave a message. Right. Anyways. But at least you'll hear how he pronounces it. In any event. Yeah, see, see you, you think that that's a problem. You think that that's a bug. That's yeah. not it a took problem. Me a that's a long feature. time. It, it's a feature. It took me a long time to get that mailbox full, <laughs> yeah, and I'm I, proud of that. I know. I have, I have another friend who keeps his mailbox full because it discourages people from leaving messages, which he thinks is just fine. Jeb Burnside is here. He's talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine now. Uh, I was I was worried how you're going to get through that, uh, and and you obviously didn't. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I was on the verge of forgetting to introduce myself, and you reminded me. Last week, I did, in fact, completely forget to introduce myself, so I will say quickly before I forget that I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm talking to you from the home office in Dover, New Hampshire. Do you know what's really well, amazing hey, sometimes? It's well, not that you forget to introduce yourself. Yeah. It's that you, for, you, you still don't introduce yourself after Jeb or I drop hints about, and who are we talking to, and where are you, you know... Or, or things about oh yeah how is because you cap know, world I don't, you know, I don't know what right you use for a, I don't know what you use for a cheat sheet or a checklist when you put all this together but you need to break out the introductions um, um, just you know to make sure that there are at least three of them for every episode well see there are <laughs> but it still doesn't work I'll show you when I see you next you, week or later this week all right yeah. you know in the mean, right. in the meantime Jack in yeah. the meantime. Stick with fixed gear airplanes. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Jeb, I'm sorry I skipped over you. So uh, what are you up to? What's going on with you? Just uh, struggling through another uh, work cycle. Um, uh, enjoying uh, what what uh, is going to be a non- pretty nice fall down in Florida, I believe. Um, still, you know, obviously rather warm. But uh, at least we're not getting the, <clears throat> the rain and other bad weather the rest of the country is getting. Um and uh, looking forward to hosting you and um, um, uh, strapping the wings on and flapping my way out to Wichita. Yeah, with it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. What's yeah. you know? I was thinking of you the other day because uh, there's all the news about this heavy rain and flooding that was in the southeastern part of the yeah. United States. Um, how's your yeah. part of Georgia doing? Um, so far, so good. Actually, I was up there, um, drove up actually because I needed to haul some stuff back. Uh, I need a bigger airplane is what it comes down to. So while we're, you know, making, passing the hat for Dave to do this, uh, this rocket pack ride, we need to pass the hat so Jebby can get a new, get a bigger airplane. Yeah, but, um, I I'm think thinking of C-123. No, 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 no. I have a multi-rating <laughs> C-123. Absolutely. Uh, that way we can throw stuff oh, out sure. the back of it. Yeah. But, um, um, no, I drove up um, Friday night, drove back that's Saturday really the night. whole point. You want to be able to throw stuff out the back of it. Forget anything exactly, else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, well, you know, when, when we're getting chased, we need to be able to throw stuff out the back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, um, it was dry as a bone uh, in southern Georgia. Yeah. It's northern Georgia, you know, Atlanta and, and uh, uh, Athens and, and Gainesville and that area that apparently is getting all the rain. And, uh, you know, this is all due to this low pressure system that parked down uh, um, a week or so ago, at least, uh, in the Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana uh, border area. And it's just been sitting there. Uh, it moves a little bit. It, it, I think one went away and another one took its place. So it's kind of doing a musical chairs thing. Mm-hmm. But it's just picking up all this moisture out of the Gulf and throwing it up into uh, – 
uh, northern Alabama, northern Mississippi, and northern Georgia, and, and oh, points north of there. It's too. like an aerial conveyor system. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, it I just, don't know if it's still, I don't it know if it's going to be there this weekend or loop. not. Well, okay, so. Uh, Enough of that. We, I've been I've been putting this off as long as I possibly could, but we just can't uh, we can't uh, avoid talking about this story. We better just get it out of the way and uh, and, and deal. Well, we're going to be here all night talking. Yeah, amateur hour. So yeah. uh, so just uh, almost hour, a, that- almost a week ago now, uh, right after we posted the uh, uh, previous episode of uh, Uncontrolled Airspace, there were, he was waiting. He was waiting for us to finish yeah, our know. last episode. He didn't want to put this new story out before we just before we published so or so we'd have to wait a week. Um in a way I'm glad we had to wait a week because uh, I like so many other people were fairly frothing at the mouth about this whole thing. This is the uh, now infamous story in uh, USA Today with its companion piece on uh, NBC's Today show that uh, that just savaged general aviation for no good reason and for no good and without a lot of accuracy. And uh and it caused quite a quite a not, uh, not a lot of, not a lot of accuracy not a lot of accuracy what what you're giving them credit for spelling the freaking words correctly yeah because that's about the only accuracy that I saw on this thing let alone perspective yeah. I mean perspective was so sorely missing and so readily available offered on a silver platter and this organization chose to uh, uh, withhold. And that's the only word for it, to withhold perspective from their readers, to deliberately give this story a slant that did not hold up if that perspective was provided. Uh, you know, didn't, these people doesn't hold should up be to drummed the, out of the freaking business. It doesn't hold up to the most basic um, exercise in fact-checking or research or anything else. And, and um, it's not journalism, it's propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's no other word for yeah. it. What's to be done about this? You know, I mean, because we can, we can rave on here about, about how unfair and how, how you uh-huh. know, uh, uh, twisted it was, and it was. Um, but especially on this podcast, I'm not sure how much good that does, because I think most of our listeners will agree pretty quickly that, that it's wrong and um, and that it was a travesty. But what are we going to do about this? Because this is, I think this is really becoming a big, big deal. And uh, well, I, well, I, I don't disagree with ahead. you. It's always been a big deal. Um, yeah. But it's it's in one sense, it's not new. We've been seeing stories like this uh, come up periodically uh, as long as I've been paying attention to to general aviation. Um, there was a big to do. It's probably been twenty, thirty years ago now, when sixty minutes um, did a big thing about all the business jets uh, flying into a Super Bowl one year. And I don't even remember which Super Bowl it was or where it was or anything like that. Oh, I do yeah. remember this it was is, 60 this goes way back. Yeah, it goes way back, and that's you know there was. Um, there's periodically you hear stories uh, um, or you hear uh, um, discussion, if you will, about how all these little airplanes are delaying all the big airliners at, at the major hubs and, and things like that. And it's, it's all of a piece. It's all, of, it's all cut from the same piece of cloth. And I would even venture to say that it's all coming from the same group of people that we can talk about in a little bit. But um, in one sense, this is nothing new. This is just one of those crosses that that general aviation has to bear. Um, but 
there, I think things have changed um, over the last few years. The, the main thing that I think has changed here is the landscape, and the landscape that has changed is the Internet. And we have um, many, many different ways of delivering information, of uh, communicating with people these days. Um, we have a, a much um, um, more um, diversified method of delivering news and opinion and uh, uh, many more resources on which we can draw. And I think it's um, time that this community, this industry, started taking advantage of some of the tools that we all use every day for any variety of reasons and kind of redirect some of our, our focuses uh, on, on beating some of this back. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more here as, as we move, move down the path here uh, on this episode. But um, I'm, in the, in the immortal words of the, the late George Wallace, I'm tired of pussyfooting around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, um, you can't fight this kind of blowing snow politely. You cannot fight it. Uh, as as they said it on Animal House, we can't use conventional weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it think take, it would take. I, I take, think it's time you know, to cost thousands of lives. It takes years across America to start shooting well, this stuff back. I don't care where it comes. From. Yeah, I don't care where it comes yeah. from. But well, I it, think it needs to, it needs to come from someplace concerted because it takes money and it well, takes people. It, it, it doesn't take that much money, and it doesn't take that much people. This article, okay, didn't come out of a major uh, ad campaign on all three major networks. It came out of basically lunch, probably, between some yeah. flack for, for some uh, uh, anti-GA organization. I won't say any more than that. Um, and, and this reporter or his or her researcher. Okay, that's all this 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 was just, you know, it was almost a cut and paste of of stuff that's been done before. This was not imaginative. This took no skill. It certainly took no real research. David, there is an organization. There is an organization out there that's interested in in dominating, dominating all things aviation. It's a curious set of initials. All things aviation. Uh, Because. Let me read you a piece that came out in a newsletter, uh, just a paragraph of something that came out in a newsletter uh, uh, earlier this week. Uh, The Air Transport Association reports decline in August passenger demand in July cargo. The Air Transport Association reported Monday that passenger revenue, based on a sample group of carriers, fell 21% in August 2009 versus the same month in 2008, the 10th consecutive month in which passenger passenger revenue has declined from the prior year. Then there's a second thing that came out, also cited from uh, uh, the Smart Brief publication, which is underwritten by the Air Transport Association. In response to plummeting demand for top dollar tickets, some of the world's airlines are rethinking their seating options. Some carriers have gone so far as to gut the first class area of their planes to make way for more affordable seating that comes with slightly more leg room but a lot fewer top-end perks. 
quote, with cuts in corporate travel budgets, there's now much less willingness to pay up to eight times the fare on long haul for the extra leg room and champagne offered by business class, noted Peter Morris, a chief economist for aviation consulting company Ascend Worldwide. And some of this came out of the uh, New York Times. What we have here is a picture of an industry that's bleeding at both ends of its economic strata. It's It's been losing uh, the top dollar passengers for several years now. Business class and first class, outside, particularly outside international, has been increasingly rare and selling less and less. It's not that that passenger class has stopped traveling, and it's not that they're all sitting back in the back cabin with those of us that buy our tickets on, you know, Expedia.com. Uh, it's that a lot of them have moved to corporate aviation. And there was, a, I think, an awakening well, four or five years ago that corporate aviation, business aviation, was gutting their upper strata of high-dollar-paying passengers, the people that have to go someplace on short notice and are going to go comfortably. So, you know, they... <sighs> Are on the I, same vendor that they I, I were on when they were trying to get used fees in. Jeb, go ahead. I, I I disagree with that a little bit in that I, I don't <clears throat> I don't know that uh, there's this huge sea change in uh, in people using corporate aviation. Um, there was it's, it's no longer if you start looking at a lot of the news reports and you start looking at. Uh, um, uh, the way people have been laid off from from that industry, there was a surge in fractional ownership. There was a surge in um, a lot of these card programs um, um, that uh, fractional operators were were throwing out there. And for a lot of of uh, what what are euphemistically called high net worth individuals, those kinds of programs made sense. But um, I, I don't think that's what's driving um, uh, airline revenue downturns these days. I think it's the overall economy that's driving those downturns. But putting all of that aside, I, I, uh, I, um, a blogger that I, I read uh, quite regularly summed it up fairly well last week. And this was actually uh, – he's not an aviation blogger. He's a political blogger. Um, but um, – uh, summed it up very well. This actually, uh, he, he actually wrote this um, a couple of days before this USA Today story uh, hit the press. I'm going to read this real quickly. It's just a paragraph. I'm going to bleep out a couple of words. But and the head is because flying really sucks? Question mark. Says obviously the recession has much to do with it. But I do wish it would occur to our great captains of the airline industry that one people, when the one reason people are flying less is that the experience has become so incredibly blank. Some of this is not the fall of the individual <laughs> airlines, such as, such as stupid security theater, but plenty of it is. I mean, bag fees, what the bleep? Mm-hmm. And it isn't simply the money. It's the extra hassle and just general sense of being screwed and harassed throughout the entire process, end quote. And that's, to me, that pretty much sums it all up. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I can't compete with that. I can't, I can't add anything to that. That's one of the, the things that none of us really experience uh, when flying general aviation. 
Um, I, I can't. Uh, um, I don't know how the airlines are going to fix that. Um, I would. I would go so far as to say, if maybe they hadn't been all completely asleep at the switch on 9/11, they wouldn't have gone through that downturn, and perhaps they wouldn't have have gone through the current downturn uh, for for so many different reasons that they're experiencing now. But I'll shut up and let Dave talk because he's he's chomping at the bit. Well, no, I I, I don't disagree with you on the fact that it's more than what. The, these high net worth passengers. It's far broader than that. But attacking the venue that siphoned off a lot of their high net worth passengers is one of the ways sure. pushing back. And when you look at oh, the growth of business jet deliveries over a 10-year period, the highest mm-hmm. delivery numbers in business aviation, in aviation history, were the last five years prior to 2009. But, it, when we but had at about the same time... 7,000 airplanes. And the fleet was at, growing at the same time, though, airline, airline passenger uh, uh, miles were growing. Airline revenues were growing during that same period of time. It wasn't a matter of uh, either or. It was a matter of which is the best solution for me today. And I've, I've you know, harped on this any number of times. How do you get from Macon, Georgia, or, 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 or Tifton, Georgia, which doesn't have airline service, to, say, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, uh, which also, coincidentally, doesn't, doesn't have, have airline, airline service? service. How, how do you do that uh, if you're on a business trip and on a business schedule? Well, I can climb in my airplane and be there in four or five hours, if I, you know, break my cardinal yeah. rule, I can be there for lunch and do business and turn <laughs> around and come back and, and sleep in my own bed that night. You cannot do that on the airlines. Um, and that's well, just it's, one, it's one symptom of the Frank overall disease. Today's really crappy work. Yeah. The, uh, the contention was, and I want to get this more accurately than he portrayed this in a story, feds keep little used airports in business. And his his complaint was that 2,834 airports with were getting airport improvement fund money from the federal government with no scheduled passenger flights. They're known as general aviation airports. They operate separately from the 139 well-known commercial airports that handle almost all passenger flights. Wow, that's the closest to getting anything right in the story, Mr. Frank, because otherwise you sucked at the rest of this. Uh, Put this uh, into – he was complaining at how many billions of dollars had been spent on airports Using eleven million in federal money to build an airport that was only used by private airplanes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's put some in perspective here. Uh, looking at two thousand and seven, a fairly typical year for AIP funding here recently, the Federal Aviation Administration handed out three point three four billion in AIP funds to twenty six hundred and ten airports. Now, all that money came from. Private pilots and business pilots paying fuel tax on the on the fuel they burn flying the airplanes. It also came from passengers paying taxes on their airline tickets and people shipping cargo paying taxes on the value of the cargo. The airlines pay a minuscule fuel tax. It doesn't remotely come close to supporting the system. So, three point three four billion to twenty six hundred and ten airports. 341 primary airports, those are the ones with more than 100,000 boardings, got $2.1 billion in those funds. 
at $6.17 million per airport. 48 commercial service airports, airports with 2,500 to 100,000 passenger boardings, received $93 million, $1.94 million per airport. 139 GA reliever airports, those are the airports in big cities where small airplanes go so that the airlines won't cry that somebody's holding up their airplane with only five people in it. They got $214 million, $1.54 million per airport. 982 general aviation airports got 617 million, 628,000 airports. Uh, the 1,121 GA airports shared 831 million, averaging 741,000 per airport. Well, David, the numbers are good. Can, was, sum it up for us. What, what's yeah, the point yeah. here? Hang on, hang on. Let David go first, then Jeb, you'll go, then you'll go. David. Well, the, the point is that those airports cover far more real estate, far more territory than the small number of airline airports that are primarily concentrated in high population density areas where the airlines hub through. So, like Jeb said, if you want to go from Tifton, Georgia, which doesn't have airline service, to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, that doesn't have airline service, you have an airport there that will handle you because the system supports a national system of airports for all communities, not just the ones that have high population densities that the airport airlines deem are worthy of serving so that everybody can get into the act possible. Yeah. And that way, instead well, of flying from that, Tiffin to Atlanta, Atlanta to Chicago, then Chicago to Appleton, and then driving to Oshkosh, a guy like Jeb or me or Jack or any of us listening can get in our own airplane and go there on our own and pay to use the system and pay to support the airport. Jeb, go ahead. Or... Or um, we could charter an airplane, or we could get a buddy to fly us, or or a variety of other um, um, options exist. But here's the thing that, and, and Dave t- kind of touched on it uh, early on in this conversation um, about how the airlines want to control everything that that is that is aviation in this country. Um, the fact of the matter is that we have what's called an air transportation system, just as we have. A, a uh, highway transportation system, just as we have a rail transportation system in this country. And <clears throat> those systems are made available to all citizens and even non-citizens to use for both personal and business reasons. It's none of the the w- within certain constraints, it's obviously, it's nobody's business how you use the highway system. It's nobody's business how you use the airway or the rail system. Those systems exist so that um, we can travel throughout this country. And it's the best system ever ever reinvented. It's the best system that any country has, maybe with the exception of the rail system. But uh, the punchline is that an airport is just like an off-ramp uh, on an interstate. It allows access to that community uh, it allows you to get from that community, merge into the traffic, and and fly uh, off to some larger location, some more distant location of your choosing at your convenience, just as it should be. And that's why we have all of these small airports. That's why airport. Uh, that's why communities clamor 
for FAA funding. That's why they clamor for developing their airport so that they can have access to this system also and bring in whether it's vacationers, whether it's it's uh, um, 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 a couple and their small children visiting mom and dad, whether it's uh, um, a captain of commerce arriving in his Gulf Stream to open a new factory. It doesn't matter, and it's no business of anybody else's. That's why we have a system of aviation in this country. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, it, it, it gets damn tiresome to hear people espouse how this or that can be done or can't be done based on how it affects one business. Like it's the government's job to protect that business from any kind of competition until you know, they want to scream about government interfering in competition. Uh, Well, there's there's two points I want to... Yeah, go ahead. There's two points I want to make here. One Dave touched on and and another one that we haven't gotten into yet. Uh, The first one is that um, I don't I'm certainly willing to be uh, um, uh, corrected on this. I, I did a little research. I think the uh, the tax on uh, um, jet fuel that uh, airlines used to pay, I think that has expired. I don't think the, there was a time, and, and anybody jump in here, I, I did a little bit of research. I didn't find any reference to it. But uh, there used to be a tax on um, jet fuel uh, there's there's always a tax on non-commercial jet fuel, just as there is on non-commercial a- aviation gasoline. But there used to be a tax on commercial jet fuel, and I think that has expired or somehow has, uh, has, has otherwise gone away because I couldn't find any reference to it. If that is, in fact, the case, then the airlines as an industry don't pay a farthing to use this highly developed system of, of airports. Uh, and, and oh, uh, right. air traffic control, et cetera. Um, they don't pay a cent. The passengers pay a, a lot. On a, on a $99 ticket, you probably pay, what, 50 bucks uh, in addition to that $99, plus bag fees, plus, you know, uh, anything else that you'll well, get hit up for at the airport. But the, the pun- let, let me finish, Dave. Um, the the, the punchline that I want to try to get across here is that um, – these are our businesses, and they are conducting their business and, and trying, anyway, to make a profit using infrastructure paid for by the United States government. And I don't think – I think they should just shut the hell up about it because they're not paying a cent to use this stuff, and everything that they do with it is nothing but profit to them. So when when the cows start coming home on this, as I'm uh, uh, going to see, you know, as I'm going to do what I can to make sure they do start coming home, that's going to be uh, uh, point one in 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 uh, this industry's and this community's rebuttal to all this. My second point um, um, is a little bit touchier and basically gets to um, the industry's and the community's response. Which I think was um, not what needs to be done. Um, it was, you know, it, it was predictable. It was, um, um, you know, any, anybody with a pulse probably could have have written a lot of what was said and done. Um, but it's not enough. And what I want to see is some proactive 
uh, response to this. I want to see uh, this industry start fighting fire with fire. I want to see this industry and this community start pointing out uh, on a proactive basis without the need to respond to USA Today articles, but but creating the need for the airlines to respond to other articles about how the airline business model and the airline industry itself uh, is uh, passe. Its time has, has come and gone. And the future is general aviation and smaller airplanes going directly to community and regional airports and bypassing uh, the major hubs and bypassing the airline infrastructure entirely. I don't see a whole lot of that. And I'm kind of tired and fed up and very angry that the organizations purporting to represent my general aviation interests aren't promoting that kind of storyline and and going on the offense more, if at all. Why do certainly you think more not? than they have? Because I see no evidence of it, and well, I no, pay no, attention. I mean, no, no, I mean, but why don't they step forward and take this, you know, strategy that <laughs> you're talking them, about? Uh-huh. Ask them. I think um, I think they, um, I think, I, I they could, think they are with things like no plane, no gain, GA serving America, let's go flying. Uh, I think those are that's all, all real well and to, good. Those are all real, they, they real well the and good. Not, they don't meet the criterion that Jeb yeah. was talking about. No, they don't fit that criterion, and they're not effective in combating uh, pieces like the USA Today piece. The USA Today piece uh, um, was basically buttressing a theme that has been hammered home by that industry, by the airline industry, over decades, no such similar activity exists on the part of the general aviation industry, and it's well past time for it to begin. Do you think it's possible for one of the existing alphabet groups to take this kind of a strong stance, or do we need another organization to 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 be the the I don't know how to characterize it? Well, I, I think the Alliance for Aviation Across America was being the bad cop tough cop for GA during the most recent round of user fee fights, and they got a lot of people on board from outside of aviation. But were they being proactive, or were they just being reactive? Well, they were were being both. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they, they were out with their own program and their own push, their own message, independent of the established alphabet groups. They shared the same goals, but they were they went after building bridges in a lot of small towns, a lot of communities where the GA mm-hmm. airport has a major impact on commerce and the people's lives. And they got, you know, uh, quite a membership amongst uh, small and medium town mayors and city councils and airport boards and chambers of commerce. Uh, and and I think they would be well uh, placed to kind of go off on the kind of tactic that I, that Jeb's describing, and I agree with him, that needs to be done. Uh, it just it it does take some money, it does take some body count, even if you're mm-hmm. talking about a, you know a small knot in the office to be making this push, because it's got to be pushed out at local levels. Right. Okay. Even so more heavily than at national level, because the national people are going to get tired of listening to you after a few turns. Of yeah. the so how do we support that well, organization? Say the name of that organization, well, again, David. 
the Alliance for Aviation Across America. And is that like a membership organization or how did? To... Uh, no, yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, it was about four or five people. Uh, how do, my question is, how do we support that organization and what other organizations? I don't, I don't know that you. I don't know that you can join it per se. You might be able to, to uh, you know, PayPal them a few bucks or something like that. Um, but um, what needs to happen well, is uh, that the alphabet soup needs to belly up to the bar and 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 throw a few bucks down. And you know, if it takes ultimately the merger of a couple of organizations into one to to consolidate some of the expenses and save a few bucks and and in turn use the saved money to um, uh, be proactive and, and reach out in, in that fashion, so be it. Let's see if we can move on. Well, let's let's wrap this website, up. Go ahead, David. Their website has a sign-up for organizations and individuals. Uh, it's aviationacrossamerica.com. Uh, we'll have the link on the, on the website. Uh, they came into existence a couple of years ago when, this, when, when the airlines were doing some really proactive, dirty stuff, like running cartoons in airport TV uh, uh, feeds that had little, little, little airplanes, you know, elbowing their way through the crowd of, you know, poor old tired airliners to take their head at the place at, in the front of the line. I, I got to force them with a tea time. Excuse right. me, Adam, of the way. It was all so much BS. But uh, the Alliance for Aviation Across America kind of sprang to life uh, in, in the shadow of that movement. Uh, so they're still there, and you can join, pitch in. You can volunteer to do work for them, whatever. Uh, my last part on this rant, I just want to say journalistically, you know, uh, I got to spend a week editing a newspaper, a daily newspaper for the folks at, at, at AirVenture. And it was interesting. I hadn't sat in that kind of seat for quite a long time. And when I think about the standards to which we held our pro-am reporters and photographers in terms of accurately portraying information and getting things correct. Mr. Frank's piece wouldn't have made it into print without significant rework. Uh, the college newspaper where I first did first had a piece published, uh, it would have got, gotten held up or a failing grade. Uh, the very large daily newspapers where I cut my teeth, uh, if I'd have turned in something that looked like this, there's a very, very good chance that if it had gotten as far as a city editor's desk, that I would have been invited to not return as a as a <laughs> as a as a guy trying to freelance and build a, a stringing, uh, you know, a set of strips, well, clips as a stringer. This was absolutely a, an abhorrent advocation of journalistic standards and not even worthy of the newspaper it was in. And the newspaper it was in is just another one of those old business model. If we're not making 20% profit, the sky is falling. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to waste any more time on the guy. He sucks at this job. The thing that I think is important yeah. here is to remember, as bad a job as the media did on this particular story, it's important to remember that it's not the media that we are fighting here, all right? It's this uh, these yeah. other entities, all right? And I think we do ourselves a disservice by letting ourselves be distracted by the bad job that the media is doing. We've got to go to the source here and fight back yeah. against 
whatever these entities are that are supporting the, I, I think well, supporting the the airline industry, but have an issue, have a have a have a strategy to to destroy general aviation. Um, we need to focus. Well, and, and part of what part of what we can do, what we can all do, is not be shy about being pilots when we're in you know uh, barbecue party discussions or cocktail hour uh, conversations uh, about. Yeah, yeah, I'm a pilot. No, I'm not rich. No, I don't fly a jet. Yes, I fly a air, little airplane. I pay my way. And, you know, if you if you could do this, too, you'd never set foot on an airliner again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts. One final thought on my couple of three final thoughts. One, um, and I, I, I agree that it's not about journalism. It's about uh, it's really about politics and it's about someone's agenda. Um and um, I'm just sick and tired of having to read crap like this, knowing that it's it's a political agenda, and knowing yeah. that um, this industry and this community um, continue to put up with this crap. Um, it's 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 way past time that we should be doing things proactively. A, a, a good defense is a good offense for lack of a yeah. better uh, 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 euphemism. Um, nuke them till they glow, screw them till they bleed. It's time <laughs> to get moving. I agree. I agree. It's time to fight back. It's time I'm to dead. be proactive. I'm uh, not topping that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, how do you follow that? Uh, David, here's how you follow that. Uh, take, a, take, a, take a sip. Take a sip. Yeah, take a drink for sure. Uh, David called our attention to a really nice article in, of all places, the New York Times. Maybe that's what it takes to do good journalism. I don't know. Um, going to the other end of the spectrum altogether, hang gliding in uh, Rising Fawn, Georgia. David, tell us about this article. Uh, this is the absolute antithesis of, uh, of, of, uh, of uh, Mr. Frank's article uh, because the reporter here actually seemed to uh, – know what he was talking about keith mulvihill (laughs) a reason he knew what he was talking about is because he actually went to lookout mountain in rising fawn georgia it's about 15 miles southwest of chattanooga and enrolled in hang gliding school for a few days and uh took the took the course at lookout mountain flight park now this is Uh, one of the places where that higdon guy learned how to fly right uh the uh the photo on the top of the article on the web blank yeah. is looking northeast up the valley. And you can't see it in this shot, but if you go about 10 miles straight up on the left half of the photo, you'd come to the mountain where I learned to hang glide. Uh, yeah. And if you followed the keel of the hang glider in this shot straight up the side of Lookout Mountain, you'd come to the trailer where I used to live right behind the launch site. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, this is old turf for me. And uh, the little video link shows a a pilot launching his hang glider off the same ramp that I used to do three or four nights a week after work in the summertime. Mm -hmm. Weeknights, when the days were long, I could sneak out of work about 4.30 and be sitting there at the side of the launch site about 6 with the wing all set up, just waiting for a ripe tourist to come along to talk into driving my car to the landing field. And the discussion would generally go, so are you going to fly? Well, I'm thinking about it. If I could uh, you know, be sure of a ride back up, otherwise it's a long walk. 
Oh, uh, where do you go? Well, you see that field down there. Oh, well, I'd love to help you out, but I'd never find a place. Well, I got a map in my car and a spare key. And if you'd like to see the launching and the landing, here's the deal. I'll launch. I'll soar for about 30 minutes. I'll wait until I see you show up in the landing field. You drive my car down, and then I'll come out, and you can watch the landing, too. And then I'll tell you where to get beer in a dry county. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs> the, the latter point being the most important. Yeah. It was amazing how nice people were. I had Xerox copies of the map that took you from the launch ramp right down to the entrance to the landing field. Uh, I always had a spare key and told them if they didn't want to wait, they just wanted to dump the car off, just lock the key in the car, you know, put it over the visor, lock the door, and uh, I'd love to buy them a beer if I saw them again. And three, four times out of five, the people would go, oh, yeah, sure, we could do that. And do you know the way to the Chattanooga Choo Choo? And like, yeah, I got a map for that too. But it's a great place to fly. Great place to fly. It's about 1,300 feet above the valley from the launch ramp down to, to uh, the landing field. Sounds great. Uh, the, the Ridge Lookout Mountain uh, has a couple of cuts and gaps in it, but it runs from uh, the Tennessee River right uh, looking up in Tennessee, looking over uh, the, the uh, skyline at Chattanooga proper, and runs about 50 miles southwest of Fort Payne, Alabama, which is uh, home of the uh, country band Alabama. And if you're having a really good day uh, with the valley cooking and a little bit of ridge lift here, if you can get across a couple of gaps in Cloudland Canyon, you can fly a 110-mile round trip by just stepping off that concrete ramp. Wow. You know, I've never, I've never done, even thought about doing hang gliding, but one of my brothers, Scott, um, he, uh, a few years back, he started a program at some place. I, I should talk to him and find out where it was, but uh, he, uh, he, he spent a few weeks taking some lessons, and uh, he had to stop, I think, for, for financial reasons or work reasons or something like that. But uh, he's always talked about it fondly, and uh, I'm sure he'd love to continue well, I, if he had a chance. I really have to tip my hat to Keith Mulvihill because... Uh, it's been a few days since my initial hang gliding lessons in 1977. Uh, and the wings have gotten a lot better, but the, you know, Lookout Mountain Flight Park, Crystal, uh, the Whitwell launch site, Henson's Gap up in the Sequatchie Valley, they haven't changed much since we first put ramps in there. And the mountain's fairly stable. Uh, and flying there is just among the more magical uh, bits of airtime that you can ever experience anywhere. Uh, it's really inexpensive. Uh, the tough part about it is that if you get really hooked, you start rearranging your life so you can live 20 minutes from launch instead of five hours from launch so that you can fly four or five evenings a week in the spring and summer and fall instead of, uh, you know, once every two or three months when you can take a long weekend and drive to Chattanooga. It will do that to you, but it's just phenomenal flying. And he really captured that whole uh, bit of uncertainty about 
you know, what am I doing here? Can I really do this? This is work. You got to carry the damn thing back up the hill after every training flight. Oh, yeah, you got to work. Uh, it sounds great. It sounds great. It looks beautiful. I, I uh, yeah, it does. Uh, another one of my uh, encounters with hang gliding was when I was living in California, and I would be driving along the coast. Um, there was one particular area down near Monterey uh, where the sand dunes went right up to the edge of the water, and I guess I guess the must have been the wind coming in off the ocean made some good lift on the sand dunes because there'd be people hang gliding up and down the coast there, um, and uh, there was actually a little hang gliding center. I went and went and stopped by every now and then and just kind of watched them launch off a big uh, a big wooden ramp that they had. They'd just kind of cruise up and down the coast, not unlike the way you were describing your flights at Kitty Hawk last week. You were describing oh, last week yeah. after you were flying mm-hmm. last Very, week. Yeah, yeah. The you know the 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 theories are all the same, and uh, the uh, the taller the landscape, the 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 greater the the, the top of the uh, ridge lift, the uh, the taller it is, and the smoother the transition, the greater the lift band out in front of it. And there's just something magical. I mean, there's there's really only two things that birds can do that hang glider pilots can't. One of them's perch in a tree. Okay. And the other one's mm. land in a tree at all and take off again. Okay. <laughs> you can land in a tree. Yeah, once. Right. And, but you're not taking off again. Yeah. Well, thank you to the New York Times for a nice piece on aviation and on hang gliding. It's uh, refreshing. Yeah. It was a cool, pl- cool piece. Thanks to Jimmy Winbrand for pointing it out to us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see now. So, um, you know, I... I it is my goal to call attention to every single one of these that I'm about to call attention to, and I, I fear that I miss them from time to time, and I apologize to any listeners who I've missed, but, but here we go. Um, from the forums, listener Sprink um, has posted this. He says, well, uh, I haven't given anyone an update on my flight training, so here goes, and then in big bold letters he writes, as of September 12, 2009, I am now a sport pilot, he writes. He says... I took my test yesterday, passed with flying colors, pun intended, and I wanted to thank everyone on the forums for giving great advice and always willing to lend a helping hand to a newbie like myself. This has been something I've always wanted to do, and to accomplish a monumental life goal like this is a great feeling. Thanks again. And uh, it's uh, Clark is his first name. I won't say his last name on the on the podcast, but uh, he goes by the username Sprink in the forums, and he's now a sport pilot. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. So uh, let's see now. Uh, the next story on the list is uh, so so you know we're looking for examples of and we see them all the time, but the general public doesn't. Here's one that's great for the general public of how important general aviation is. It's more than just recreational. There's just a lot of of uh, valuable stuff going on here. Um, this is from a story uh, in the Examiner.com. It's not clear to me where the... Oh, no, maybe it is the San Francisco Examiner. I'm not sure. Uh, When you hear the sound of a small aircraft above you, don't focus on the noise. Instead, think about the aircraft's story. Where has that pilot been? Where are they going? How will that aircraft positively affect the lives of others? One such inspirational story is that of David Dunsmore. This weekend, Dave is flying a charity mission to help hurricane victims in um, Baja, California, uh, Baja, California of Mexico, um, and uh, goes on to talk about uh, how this pilot is uh, flying relief missions uh, to help hurricane victims down in the Baja uh, Peninsula of uh, Mexico. And, uh, you know, you just, 
if we paid attention, we'd hear these stories all the time um, because um, it, it certainly oh, we happened. heard a bunch of them after <clears throat> Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, we heard them after oh, Hurricane yeah. Katrina. Um, I'll go back a lot further, go back to 1989 when the big earthquake happened in California and I was living out there. Um, there, was, there were sections of the coast, particularly around the Mon- Monterey Peninsula area, that were literally cut off every single road into these areas. And this was a large population area. Every single road was cut off, all right, for a period of days. And uh, a, a private airlift got formed up that was flying out of Reed Hillview, ironically another airport that they've been trying desperately to shut down, all right, out of Reed Hillview and were flying release, relief supplies down to Monterey for those days to make sure that people had the things that they needed down there. Um, it was just a classic example of how important general aviation can be in, in an emergency situation, in a disaster situation. And, uh, you know, I just want to call attention to this particular story and kind of get people into the mode of, of, uh, of, of watching for these stories and, and making sure this, that, that the larger story gets out. So this is from uh, Helping Hurricane... Boy, I'm t- I apologize for not being a Jimena... Uh, victims. This is a Amina. west, yeah, a west coast uh, hurricane, a Pacific hurricane um, that mm-hmm. uh, affected uh, uh, Mexico. And uh, general aviation was there and helped. Have you guys you know, ever been involved with that kind of a mission, Jeb? I know you were captain. Um, I, I, I used to be civil air patrol many moons ago. Um, you talked about Katrina. I did fly a uh, relief mission on uh, in the aftermath of Katrina. Uh, I've flown a lot of uh, different kinds of CAP missions. Um, I, I have also flown Angel Flight, um, all of which is is highly rewarding and and uh, recommended to anybody listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, David, I've been uh, second in command on a couple of uh, uh, charity flights, uh, taking cancer patients to treatments or taking them home again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really kind of uh, it's really kind of. Uh, humbling uh to uh be able to help out somebody that's always been as appreciative as the people that i've been privileged to to be a part of helping and uh looking forward to doing more of it uh this next one is uh i don't know why this caught my attention and i'm not sure what the punchline on this story is but i just wanted to call attention to it this is uh, in, uh this is from a story on the galesburg.com uh website uh home of the register mail this is your network, uh, your your neighborhood, David. I believe is this Kansas of some sort. Uh, uh, I believe Galesburg is Illinois. in Illinois. Illinois. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, they refer to a Kansas. That's home to the annual. That's home to the annual Stearman homecoming for yeah. some reason. Uh, embracing the challenge, Kansas woman among growing number of female Stearman pilots, and this talks about a a, a gathering of uh, women flying uh, Stearman uh, aircraft and. Uh, it's just kind of a cool story. I, I just, you know, well, the Stearman stuff's cool anyway. This is not the fly-in that went away, though, is it, David? What's that? What was the biplane fly-in is... that, that shut down this year, um, right? Well, uh, you know the no, one? This, is, this is one that's still going on. Uh, the, you're, you're talking about the biplane expo that yeah. had its last edition uh, in June down in uh, uh, Oklahoma. Uh, no, this is the uh, this is the annual Stearman fly-in at uh, uh, Galesburg, Illinois. I think this was thirty uh, some odd of them uh, that they've had there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had about a hundred and five Stearmans at Galesburg Municipal last Friday, 
Uh, and the lady who's the subject of this, Tanya Hodson from Marion, Kansas, that's not too far from here, uh, she was one of a handful of, uh, of uh, female pilots who flew her, their own Stearman into Galesburg for the annual Stearman event. So, uh, Am I reading this right? This story says that there were 105 Stearmans at the, at the airport? That's, that's not unusual wow. for this. That's a lot of biplanes, man. That's very cool. Oh yeah, they they, cool. they have a they have a huge uh, uh, a huge turnout of steermen, and they get big uh, big you know uh, wuffo crowd and 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 gate because uh, this is the only gathering of its like. There, there's another one in western Kansas that's devoted to uh, old Sherman airplane, but it's not nearly the uh, the size or depth of this one in Galesburg every year. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's it's something worth going to. If I'd have uh, remembered that it was coming up, I would have given a shout-out to it a couple of weeks ago so anybody in that neighborhood could have had a chance to go. But if you live in that neighborhood, you should know about it anyway. But you don't come across female steerman owners all that often, let alone female steerman pilots. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. The uh, Reno Air Races were last week, and uh, mm-hmm. once again, I didn't go. I'm sad to say. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Me but UCAP either, so. was definitely there from the from the forums page traffic. Yeah, you know, not only that, and that's what I wanted to call attention to here. Um, two of our listeners were very, very visible uh, in terms of reporting uh, from uh, the Reno Air Races. Uh, uh, listener Cozy One Seventy One BH uh, and also a listener Comanche Sue uh, were two, two notable ones who were actually out there on the grounds and were posting to the forums throughout the week and uh, uh, and and very cool stuff. Uh, they they were out there uh, just telling us the story about what was going on and uh, um, I thank them for that. I, I guess I mostly wanted to call attention to this for people who like me weren't able to be there and wanted to kind of get a little bit of the flavor of what was going on last week. Um, there's those postings that these two folks have made in the forums. I would also call people's attention to two other things. First of all, um, there is a video podcast uh, that the uh, that the Reno Race folks put together um, that's available through the iTunes store uh, that you can, uh, there's about, about eight or ten uh, short five-minute episodes uh, that have highlights from each day and some other things. And if you're interested to see some of that stuff, you could check out that video podcast. And then also, um, they actually broadcast video live video coverage of the races throughout the week on mm-hmm. the internet. And it was a pay-per-view thing. You had to like pay buy the, I forget what it was, thirty bucks for the for the week or something like that. But uh, um, and you could actually watch the races live on your computer screen, which I think was probably pretty cool. And I'm and if you were an EAA member, I think you could get it for free through the uh, EAA yeah. or the OSH three sixty five site. I, I think you were able to OSH three sixty five. Yeah, either either the whole week or maybe only one day, maybe only on the final day that was available. Yeah, uh, maybe 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 yeah. I, I didn't I didn't do either. And one, I haven't but, checked, yeah. so I'm just going to speak off the top of my head here. But I'm sort of hoping that they're going to package up some of this video coverage um, into longer form things so that we can kind of also uh, get right. another view of this. Um, and maybe some of that will be available through uh, Oshkosh three sixty the EAA site as well. So, um, pretty cool. Uh, Strega uh, won the unlimited uh, uh, division again. Uh, Strega is one of the sort of long time, uh, uh, you know. And continuing the Steve Hinton name as a championship pilot, except this time it was Steve Hinton Jr. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, uh, another great year at uh, the Reno Air Races. And uh, we've talked about the Reno Air Races in the past on this podcast, and we always talk about getting out there, and one of these days we will. Maybe we should... Well, we're doing more and more travel now, so who knows? Maybe a year from now, this will be one of our mm-hmm. destinations, huh? Yeah. Well, as, as a buddy of mine was talking, um, 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 telling me last week, he's he's planning on getting himself a motorhome, and uh, once he gets it sorted out, um, early July or something like that, he's going to drive it to Oshkosh, and I'm going to fly up and get him and bring him back, and then we'll fly up together to Oshkosh, and then we'll have a place to stay. Cool. And then after Osh after Oshkosh, he's going to head west, and there's a um, a big car show, I believe, uh, uh, in Monterey, and uh, either around Labor Day, I'll, I'll guess. Um, and then um, there's Burning Man, and then there's Reno. And um, the, <laughs> no, boys, the boys got his of... head. <laughs> Who's the boys got his head screwed Man? on straight. Are, are you planning huh? on going to Burning Man? Are you... I wouldn't turn down the opportunity, and, and, and if I have a place to stay, i.e. a motorhome park there with, with space in it, I would definitely consider uh, making that trek and flying the airplane out there. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah, see, from Absolutely. what I've heard, Absolutely. from what I've heard, there actually can be an aviation component to Burning Man. Burning Man is a great, big, well, there's, huge they uh, have, art festival. They have a couple place. hundred airplanes popping out there, as, as I understand nowadays. I won't say a couple hundred. Yeah. They have multiple. They have scores of airplanes landing on the playa there. Uh, it's 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 not real good on the airplanes in that it's very dusty and the dust is very fine. But as long as you you know do some some maintenance on the airplane once you get it back home, it shouldn't be a crisis. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely stoked for something like that. As I was say, throw the covers okay. on it. And you're only going to do one landing yeah. and one takeoff. So. Right. Yeah, that's right. right. There you go. There you go. Well, hopefully, only one landing and one takeoff. Absolutely. So we'll yeah. do our best to put some links but. in the show notes for all the different coverage of the Reno Air Races and uh, <laughs> and what the heck. We'll throw in something about Burning Man too, just so uh, um, and uh, people can get the flavor of that. That's a uh, yeah. I've never been to Burning Man. Keep but I've that always match away to. from me. I've always wanted to. Yeah. Uh, we have. Um, a town that is actually thinking seriously about building a new airport. What a concept, huh? Hmm. Um, if my browser will ever open, the, the bandwidth is just terrible tonight. Let's get this story open. This is from uh, is. something called goupstate.com, um, perhaps from South Carolina someplace. Uh, report supports... Wow, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you did that because I was looking at going goop state. Yeah, Goop State. That's not very attractive. <laughs> Who wants to go to some place called Goop? Goop. Go that's upstate. That's like a kid's toy that you get on in a Christmas stocking. Goop. Yeah. Report supports <laughs> construction of Cherokee Airport. Cherokee, I believe, is the county. Uh, this is uh, the final report on the impact of constructing an airport. Will be presented today to the Cherokee County Council. Uh, Bill Van Antwerp, the county airport commissioner, described the study results uh, as a good document. He quoted as saying, I don't see anything wrong with it. The next move is up to the county council. Uh, He said in a recent meeting when he recommended and received the commission's approval of the plan. The the studies. Do the airlines know that they're planning on building an airport there without them? Shh, don't tell them. But uh, this is just just a great example of uh, a a forward... uh, thinking, forward-looking community that's recognizing 
that an airport would uh, would be very very good for the economy of this area, and uh, and that they they need a small airport, and so uh, or a medium sized airport as the case may be, and so they're they're thinking about building one, and uh, more power to them. Um, let's all move to uh, Gaffney, wherever that is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, well, and if it's you look South at the Carolina. motivations, if you look at the uh, the uh, underlying motivations here, uh, you know, there's a uh, uh, Duke Energy. I think that's the largest energy company in the country. Uh, consultants, there's a prediction by consultants of construction by Duke Energy of a nuclear plant near Gaffney, combined with uh, more interstate traffic and continued growth in Charlotte, uh, will affect Cherokee County, where this airport's going to go. So, uh, you know, it's, it's still a lot of growth in North Carolina. Uh, they don't have all the crazy politicians that South Carolina does. They should be happy for them. <laughs> they have their share, however. <clears throat> oh, they do. They, they do. But right now, it seems like South Carolina is winning on that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, going away, but that's a whole other topic. Yeah. So good for but them. It's, it, it's funny. Yeah. All, the, all the other states with crazy politicians seem to only have one at a time. You know, Alaska, <laughs> Oklahoma, Minnesota, uh, New York. You betcha. For some reason or another, South Carolina's, you know, got like a bumper crop. They must have gotten a great deal on the commodities market for crazy suckers. <laughs> okay. Now, um, all, this, all of our listeners from South Carolina are going to be writing in, and I hope this Internet connection is good enough they can discern which voice said all of that. <laughs> It sounds fine at this that's end. That's right, Dave. You tell him, Dave. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, David, who is uh, Joe Kittinger? Oh, Joe Kittinger. Uh, I think his record still stands uh, for the uh, highest, longest parachute free fall ever, uh, ever completed. And I met Joe, oh, Jiminy, I don't know, 20 years ago? He was flying the new American Standard biplane that was doing tours around the Sun and Fun showgrounds from that grass runway out there parallel to 927. Uh, in the 50s, 1950s, that is, uh, he did the first solo balloon crossing in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, he also uh, jumped out of a helium balloon from 102,000 feet above New Mexico. Good gosh. Uh, yeah, they had there's to put, vi- drove, video of that they had to put drag suits on him to keep his body from breaking the sound barrier during free fall. That's the highest uh, parachute jump ever and the fastest free fall ever, uh, ever uh, uh, recorded. And somebody was trying to beat that a couple of years ago, but they accidentally launched their balloon without the jumper. And then they didn't oh. have money for a second. Balloon. Yeah. They were, they were doing the, uh, they were doing the uh, uh, Wizard of Oz stunt. I, I, was re- I came across this article looking for something else, and I thought I'd just, I'd just share it with you guys. I, I had no idea that Joe Kittinger was still alive, for that matter. But he's, he lives in Orlando, uh, still thriving, um, uh, now 81 years old. Uh, good picture of him, um, looking happy, looking hale and hearty, uh, and, and hats off to him. One, one thing I didn't know. Um, about him and that's covered in this story. <clears throat> um, apparently, he was a, um, um, 
an F-4 fighter pilot, or at least that or a backseater, uh, in Vietnam. And in 1972, got shot down uh, in an F-4 Phantom um, and was prisoner of war for 11 months. I had no idea uh, that he yeah. was a prisoner of war in Vietnam. That's, that's just amazing to me. Uh, uh, talk about a storied uh, life and, and one that's achieved so much. Yeah, it's great. Uh, just, just amazing. Uh, Colonel, now, Colonel, Colonel Kitcher is one of the world's nice guys, too. Yeah. Yeah, Jeb, what were you going to say? Um, yeah, I was going to say, Dave, you said something about having uh, put parachutes on his on his uh, flying suit when he bailed out of the of the uh, um, of the balloon. I I'm 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 willing to be educated, but I don't think he did. I think he was the first man to break the speed of sound without an airplane, without an aircraft. In that, I thought uh, I'd heard that story as well, but. Uh I'll, I'll have to look I, I, that up and double check, but I, it seemed like I, I remember I'll, I'll seeing Google photographs, him or, foot, film footage of this that was recovered from the balloon later on because they put a beacon mm-hmm. on the on the uh, rig that he jumped out of. Uh, but it showed a picture of him leaving the balloon, and he's in a pressure suit, okay? Think about that, mm-hmm. skydiving in a pressure suit because you're in, at an altitude right. that can't sustain human life without something close to 23 inches of pressure on the body. Right, yeah. And atmospheric is 30. We all know that, right? Uh, I thought that there were drug periods. I'll, I'll look at, I'll do a little research and get back to that. I'm, I'm willing to be said I'm wrong, but I well, I'm, I'm looking at Well, uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and it does say that they had a, that he had a small drug shoot um, uh, on uh, his final jump. From 102,000 feet, um, it said he reached a maximum speed of 614 miles per hour. Now I don't know what the speed of sound is at that altitude, um, but it's it's it could be darn close to 614 miles. It's really miles an close. Hour. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. close. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Uh, uh, and the shoot with the shoot was more of a, of a stabilization. Uh, to, to resolve a stabilization problem than it was to slow him down. Um, Although it does say that but, he hit the speed of sound without a vehicle. Uh, there was a I, video I on YouTube yeah. since been removed. Yeah. So uh, um, I stand corrected. The, the shoot was there, uh, but you're right. I guess it was for stabilization and not to keep him from yeah. breaking the sound barrier. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Mean, I wasn't. I, I wasn't quibbling. When you break a sound barrier in free fall, can you stop hearing yourself talk? <laughs> oh, there's a joke. No, there but somewhere. maybe you could. Maybe you can stop hearing Dave Higdon talk. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got to move on here. Uh, we got a whole I, bunch of I, shout outs I, here. I want to kind of zoom. That, don't don't tell people that, or everybody will want to. I do know, it. really. Uh, we got a That's bunch right. of shout outs here. I want to kind of get through them because uh, they all are 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 in you know in their own way really cool things. So let's kind of go through these here. First of all, and and maybe the most important of all of them, uh, we want to give a quick shout out to our friend Terry Fowler from uh, Sun and Fun. Uh, Terry, uh, along with Dave Schalbetter, are the uh, co-chairs, I believe, of their titles uh, at uh, at Sun and Fun Radio, and uh, and they have been wonderful hosts to us uh, over the past few years. Uh, Terry was taken quite ill just prior to the fly-in this past spring and wasn't able to be on site with us, um, but he was with us uh, in our in our hearts uh, as he began a very very difficult treatment that apparently is going well, although it continues to be a difficult treatment. Uh, Dave Schalbetter just sent out a uh, an 
update to to those of us who have been involved with uh, with Sun and Fun Radio. I won't go into the details, perhaps because it's a little bit personal. Um, but we just wanted to uh, say hi to Terry, uh, who we uh, I hear sometimes listens to the podcast, and uh, tell him congratulations and well, keep up the good work and uh, our prayers. Let's, and let's, and let's let's put his email in in the show notes too, because uh, I'd like to encourage anybody who listens that. Uh, uh, has a mind for something like this to keep in mind our friend Terry send him an encouraging note let him know that you're thinking of him even if you don't know him uh, here's another one uh, I said I wanted to try and mention every single one of these so I just want to call attention to the fact that I saw a recent uh, Twitter posting or tweet as they are called uh, where uh, uh, someone named Shannon Lucas announced that I just had my first flying lesson She, uh, he or she writes damn that felt great so uh, or try and track down Shannon and uh, learn more about uh, about yeah. that. But uh, yeah. we're gonna very cool, Shannon. We're gonna sing the praises of anybody who's getting involved with general aviation. Next, absolutely. Uh, got a posting. Uh, got a notice rather from a listener uh, uh, goes by the name of Toronado in the uh, forums. Uh, we've talked about this uh, this program in the past, and I just wanted to mention it again. Uh, he's involved with the. Uh, with the, the 1940s Air Terminal Museum at Houston's Hobby Airport. Um, he writes to tell us that on the evening of Saturday, October 17th, 2009, uh, at 6 p.m., we are hosting the Hobby Hangar Hop. This will be a 40-style hangar dance in our hangar at the uh, William P. Hobby Airport. That's uh, a Kilo Hotel Oscar uniform. Uh, in Houston, it features dinner and Easy dancing. Easy for you to say. Yeah, it wasn't really. I had to really concentrate. Uh, it features dinner and dancing in a 40s style big band with several classic aircraft as a backdrop, including the B 17 G Flying Fortress Texas Raiders, which just went through a major restoration by the Gulf Coast Wing of the Commemorative Air Force. Uh, as an added bonus, the producer and director of the new film, Barnstorming, will be present, and the film's Houston premiere will take place during the dinner. Uh, individual tickets are on sale now for 75 $5 for the museum and uh, CAF members and $100 for non-members. Tables of 10 are available, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, we'll put some more information uh, in the show notes, or you can go to www.1940airterminal.org. That's 1940airterminal.org. Uh, and uh, sounds like a great time and a great, a great cause. So uh, check that out. Let's see now. What else? Okay, so I'm just real quickly. Um, every time I turn around, I see another reference to the uh, the uh, how do you say this? The Udvar Hazy Museum, the uh, Air and Space Udvar Hazy Hazy, the uh, Smithsonian Hazy, Air and Space yeah. uh, uh, Museum that's out at uh, Dulles, right? Um, right. Dulles Airport in Washington, outside Washington, listener, actually in Virginia. Listener Rob Krog uh, writes in the forums uh, that he was at the museum this summer, and he noticed that there is a really cool display of the uh, Rogallo wing, which we talked about last week. Um, these are some of the uh, um, the equipment that was uh, used in the experimental program that we referred to when they were thinking about uh, recovering Gemini capsules uh, with the Rogallo wing. And uh, in the forum posting, he's also included some pictures pictures from these exhibits and uh, and uh, just yet another reason that I've got to get to this museum one of these days so that's pretty cool well it's definitely worth yeah, if you it. look it's, at that um, yeah Jeb you've been there that used to be your home your turf yeah I, I, that's, my, that's my old stomping ground I've been there I had a very enjoyable day there with uh, a, a close friend several years ago um, there's a lot of stuff there that that they didn't have room for 
in the Air and Space Museum downtown on the mall. So they built this this huge facility um, out at Dulles, which was just a really logical place to do it. And um, they have stuff there that uh, you just won't see anywhere else. They have the Enola Gay, fully restored, for example. They, they, uh, um, um, I think it's I, actually, I, I think it's at Udvarhazy. Hazy. Um, there was a, a portion of the uh, Enola Gay exhibit um, downtown at the, at the old museum, but um, they have uh, um, just so much more stuff. And it is 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 um, arrayed uh, much better and much more uh, um, um, much differently than than downtown. Um, if you um, you know it's 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 a hike to get out to, to Dulles, especially if you don't have a car uh, in the area. Um, the only, it's free to go in. The only uh, fees uh, are, are parking uh, if you if you do drive out there. Uh, but it's it's the, on the southeast corner of Dulles International Airport. Um, pretty easy to find. All the signs will, will take you there. Uh, it's just a really enjoyable place and and uh, highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm looking forward and to it. And if one you of see days. the picture of the uh, Paraserve, which was one of the uh, vehicles built around the Regala wing that NASA tested back in the early 60s, uh, you'll see a really close family resemblance to what we call a trike today or a weight shift mm-hmm. ultralight or LSA. Uh, the big difference being that this was really sophisticated. It had a control stick to uh, work with pitch and roll movements. And the uh, the uh, trikes that we've been flying in all these years since the early uh, very early 1980s, uh, it's been purely weight shift of the subassembly underneath the wing. So, uh, but boy, I looked at that picture and went, "Deja vu." That was my first powered mm. solo. Mm, cool, cool. Mm. One last shout out for me, and then I'll give you guys a chance. Believe it or not, okay. um, this is a, a, a um, an email that I got uh, just the other day from uh, listener Rick S. Uh, who wanted to call my attention to an event that's happening up in northern New Hampshire uh, in a few weeks. Uh, It's not 100% clear to me that this is really kind of a spectator thing, but I'm sure that people could go and check it out if they're interested. I wanted to, he writes, uh, I would like to make you aware of the quote-unquote wave camp coming up in northern New Hampshire in a couple of weeks and to invite you to attend. Uh, Every year in October, four New England gliding clubs join forces and conduct joint operations out of Gorham, New Hampshire's municipal airport. Uh, to golf uh, eight the object the objective is to go high in the wave system in the lee of mount washington he says the dates for this year's wave camp are october 8th through 20th with emphasis on the two weekends and there's basic information uh, available at um, um, the website mount washingtonsoaring.org that's mtwashingtonsoaring.org and so uh, that's the weekend after I get back from uh, from Wichita, and uh, I'm going to try and make it up there because it sounds like a hoot. I really want to check this out. And uh, well, it, it's great that you got two weekends to get a crack at it. Too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, um, I hope I'll be able to make it up there, but we'll see. But uh, anybody else in the uh, northern New, New England area who's interested in this kind of thing, you might want to check it out and uh, and uh, and go yourself. So that's pretty cool. Cool. All right. Uh, Very cool. You got. I'm sorry. I've been monopolizing. Monopolizing. Yeah, you have. Here. What do you guys got? 
I got one. Um, in, in the aftermath of this USA Today fiasco, um, not everybody is sitting around wringing their hands and, and trying to figure out what to do or, or why someone else isn't doing something. Somebody actually went out and, and did it. Uh, and what he did was start a new website called SaveGA.org, S-A-V-E hyphen G-A dot org. And uh, this just kind of popped up on my radar screen. And uh, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, he's trying to gin up is a USA Today uh, advertiser boycott. Um, and he's got a list of the, the organizations that advertise in that particular issue of of, uh, of um uh, USA Today, and I believe also uh, on the Today Show that particular day, and uh, he's got a model letter here uh, talking about uh, uh, the the virtues of general aviation, um, and um, um, how he's going to be boycotting uh, that company's products uh, until uh, you know um, they take some action vis-a-vis -vis USA Today. Um, and uh, I think that's just an excellent start. Uh, he, this guy just took it upon himself, and uh, we just need more of this and not less of it. Uh, I happened to uh, uh, email him. There's an email link uh, on his uh, on one of the various pages, and he wrote me back. Um, uh, got his name, and, and it, it's a legit thing. Uh, he's out. He's based out of Las Vegas, New Ma uh, Nevada. Uh, one of the things he wrote back to me is, uh, I hope to make it useful and to work with the folks at NBAA, AOPA, AA, uh, EAA, AAAE, Gamma, um, etc., and others in crafting a grassroots response to all the negative press GA has gotten over the past year or so. Um, I'll be letting everyone know more about what I've got planned in the coming days. Uh, in the interim, I'm looking for any stories from or about people whose lives have been impacted by GA. Uh, I, I cannot imagine any of our listeners might have a, a story or two that uh, uh, they might want to share about how their lives have been favorably impacted by GA. So uh, I would certainly encourage uh, uh, people to uh, uh, check this website out. And uh, um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know the gentleman. Um, his name is Ken Anderson. I don't know him from Adam, but um, I, I just, you know, kind of sent him a note saying, you know, you know, who the heck are you and and what's your deal? And he wrote me back and identified himself and and uh, seems completely legit. And uh, I commend it to our listeners. Very cool. Very cool. David, what do you got? Yeah, I'm clean down. Oh, okay, we covered it all, huh? Okay. Uh, so uh, the last Speechless. thing, I'm shocked. The last thing I wanted to mention is to remind people one last time uh, that we're headed uh, we're headed west, or at least Jeb and I are headed west, uh, going to Wichita. attending the Bombardier Safety Stand Down for a few days uh, next week uh, in Wichita, and that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we may or may not do a special episode of the podcast uh, specifically about the stand down. I'm not sure. Time will tell whether that happens or not. Um, then on Friday evening, David, I think we're still planning to have a meetup there in Wichita. Uh, if nothing That's else. That's right. Going to have a little meetup at the Hangar One Steakhouse. Yeah. And, what, and uh, uh, how do people find that? What's, what's it near? What's its address? What's its uh, information? Well, and he doesn't have it handy. Ask. We'll put it in the show notes, and we'll also have it on the uh, homepage of uh, the Uncontrolled Airspace website. I the, just, I just hope he can find it Friday night. The link is Hangar One. The link is Hangar One Steakhouse. It's you know Hangar One Steakhouse dot com, and that's one spelled out. It's fifty nine twenty five West Kellogg. Ah, okay. And let me reiterate: 
that is about 400 yards off the north end of the rearrival end of runway 19 left at Wichita Mid-Continent. Or if you're leaving on one right, you'll see it just outside your right window as you go by. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be doing the that. the Hangar 1 Tower Cafe, the Tower Bar, where we'll be, is 40-odd feet higher than the steakhouse itself and has view on three sides of the airport and arriving and departing traffic. So yeah, that'll be cool. I'm That's sure people we'll are shocked, shocked to learn that we'll be at the bar. We'll, we, we'll, we may be at the bar. Or we may be at a corner table near all the windows and okay. let us look at the airport. That'll be cool. Looking forward to it. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, we're going uh, on Saturday morning. We're going to be waking up Jeb really early and jumping back in the Debbie, and we're going to Ponca City you for had, pancakes. You had to remind me. Yeah. You had uh, to we're going to be down at Ponca City for uh, pancakes on uh, Saturday morning. I believe that's the 3rd of October. And uh, and we are going to record an episode of the podcast while we're down there. Uh and uh, and that'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, we'll tell you a little bit about what's what we're seeing, what's going on down there, and hopefully, we'll have some uh, some of the local Ponca City folks join us and tell us about uh, all the aviation that happens down in that part of the world. So it's going to be quite a week. Now, I you know someone pointed something out to me that I hadn't really thought about, but the more I think about it, the more I want it to happen. And that is, am I going to get a chance to pay a little, have a little pilgrimage to uh, to Dead Cow? Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. I well, gotta, where are we going to? What fly I'm into, thinking yeah, is, where are we flying into? Do you? Well, I th- we're going to we're going to fly into uh, uh, Mid Continent yeah, and okay. park at Yingling. Um And the reason for that is, I just don't want to try to get out of there with with all three of us and gas in the airplane. Yeah, okay, that's probably a good idea because I've heard those stories. But I would love to uh, to kind of uh, <laughs> set my feet on this uh, hallowed ground uh, that so many people have heard. Well, so we much will about. we will go visit. We will I, I will commit to visiting over there. Okay, um, and uh, certainly look forward to seeing Earl um, and uh, see how the place is doing. Um, uh, we'll have, we might have to do it by car, but we'll check it out. Yeah, it's going to be a fun week. I'm looking forward. Well, to it Well, I was going to say you don't you, you don't need to worry about three of us and fuel going out because you're going to have to come back. Uh, Ponca City's only 50 miles, so you could yeah, be really light true. on fuel if you just wanted to go into Dead Cow, and then after you've dropped me back off, leave with full fuel. But that's up to you. Yeah. Well, no. Well, Jeb's got a plan. Yeah, we'll that's, stick to the we'll, plan. We'll, we'll, We'll 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 think about it. Um, uh, I'm not averse to that. Getting in and out of there is, you know, it's okay. It's not, uh, and this time of year it shouldn't be too bad. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good week. So uh, I urge people to uh, to check out the podcast uh, next time, and um, we'll tell you all about it. All right, definitely time to stick a fork in this one. Uh, that's Dave Higdon. Uh, he's an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the internet? Avbuyer.com, AEA.net, AviationSafety.com, or Under the Rock when you Google Dave Higdon. That's right. <laughs> Boy, you really are being quick today. Okay, Jeb Burnside is an aviation journalist currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Where can people find you on the Internet, Jeb? AviationSafetyMagazine.com, JEBurnside.com, AvWeb.com, and, um, I don't know, uh, um, you know, PoliceBlotter.com. Uh, who knows? Uh, yeah, um, FlightAware, right? You know, it's like, by the way, did you see... Uh, yeah, America's somewhat wanted. 
the smoke. What is it? The Smoketown 152 went flying this past week. The Smoketown 152, yeah. Went Follow the flight plan anyway, yeah. And and well, uh, and, and and apparently did fly and did not make the national news, which I consider a step in the right direction. You know, and uh, yeah, I, I just I just want someone I want someone to send in a photo of the two uh, Black Hawk helicopter silhouettes painted on the side below the pilot's window. That's all I want to say. That's right. That's right. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Thanks, as always, to uh, Jeff Ward for creating our excellent show notes. Thanks to Mike Morgan, Royce Earl, and the many other listeners who have created the show opening disclaimer clips that we use at the beginning of every episode. We are also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. And don't forget that you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, you can view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. Hey, David, what were you going to say? Have breakfast, live longer, go fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. That's right. It's added to your breakfast time. That's right. And that's enough talking. <laughs> Let's go flying. Tango, tango, Foxtrot November. <laughs> <laughs>